Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brennan on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Minas Amolis. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey everyone welcome to episode 147 of meet us at molly's take two (laughs) uh technology was not on our side the first time we tried to record so uh we're just gonna try this again and we've got our fingers crossed that this is gonna work because technology. Yeah. I feel like this is like a, a totally accurate 2020 thing to happen that anytime you try to do something, it's thwarted and the universe is just like, no, stop it. Right. Well, and especially too, like this is an episode we've looked forward to doing for so long, mm-hmm. like so long. And like the first take was so much fun and we talked for so long and we got really into it. And then like for us to discover that it was just unusable audio, I was so disappointed. <laughs> It was, it was so, yeah, it was, and I mean, you know, for, for us to deem it unusable, it's got to be pretty bad, and it was. So, uh, what we are going to talk about today is our other first responder shows. So, Once Chicago has spawned a total, kind of, not subgenre, but it's given way to a slew of other first responder shows on other networks. And you bet your ass we watch all of them and they're fantastic. So we've been wanting to deep dive into that for a while and that is what we're going to do. So before we get into that, we do have a little bit of news, not that much, but a little bit. So Peacock launched last Wednesday, the 15th and yeah, not impressed. No, because they don't have what they said they were going to have when they were going to launch. Yeah, bingo. Exactly. So not only that, but the night before on the 14th, I was like, let me be super prepared. Let me be awesome. Let me go ahead and like download the app now. Lo and behold, Amazon and NBC and Roku, they could not come to a deal. So Peacock is not available on the Amazon Fire TV, nor is it available on the Roku. Why did we just find this out the night before? Right. I don't know, but it's super disappointing. Especially because a lot of people, I feel like, who are going to gravitate towards Peacock use either a Roku or the Fire Stick. Mm -hmm. Um, So that doesn't really make sense to me. Also, the only reason I even kind of wanted to deep dive into Peacock is because, well, at this point, I'm waiting for the Saved by the Bell reboot to come and then I'll watch it more but at this point is for the one Chicago backlog which doesn't exist right now and isn't gonna exist till fucking January which is not what they told us in the beginning is it no unless they just never specified and like you know but I could have sworn they said that like when it per- when it launched it was gonna be all of it and it's not and that the 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 options of programming are very limited so far I don't know if that's going to change in the future, if it's going to stay that way. But right now it's like you can watch Suits. You can watch Friday Night Lights. could watch Psych. But like. That's about it. I have to go back and look. I know Saved by the Bell obviously exists on Peacock, but also still currently exists on Hulu. I wonder if Friday Night Lights also currently exists on Hulu. 
Because then, like, what's the point? Yeah, that's a like, good question. Like, what is truly the point? If I can watch Saved by the Bell on Hulu, why would I want it on Peacock? And Again, until the... Re- and I know, I guess, that once their contract with Hulu runs out, it'll be exclusively on Peacock. Mm-hmm. But, like, for right now, what's the point? Right. Yeah. For- like, why would I go watch it on Peacock when I can watch it on Hulu? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so far, we're just not impressed. No. Mm-hmm. Not at all, unfortunately. And some people have figured out that, you know, you can get it on a Samsung TV. There is a workaround on the Fire Stick, but it's tedious. And it was, I tried it and it was a pain in the ass to get it to work. So you can basically download a, like a TV cast app or something like that and cast it from your phone to your TV. But it's a pain in the ass. It took forever for me to cast one thing to the TV. So didn't seem worth it. Yeah. No. So, yeah, uh, let us know what you guys think of Peacock so far, because, yeah, we're just kind of trying to get a total dud. Yeah, like in January, maybe I'll get it, you know, like maybe I'll like actually pay some attention to it. Or again, whenever the Say by the Bell reboot launches, because I'm very curious about that. Mm-hmm. Other until then, I don't I don't think I'm going to watch it at all. Yeah, yeah. So don't know. That is about all we've got for the news. Um, you guys know how to get us stuff, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Carrier Pigeon, email, tweet, Skywriter. If you have our number. If you have our number, text us, <laughs> which at this point is probably a good amount of you. Um, but yeah, you guys know how to get us news and you're very good about that and we do appreciate it. So without further ado, we shall move into the episode, shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it for the second time. So, again, (laughs) we are talking about our favorite first responder shows outside of the One Chicago universe. There are a handful, um, and we're going to talk about them in the order that they debuted. So the first one that we are going to start with is 911. This show premiered on January 3rd of 2018 on Fox. Now, full disclosure, this is one of those shows where I saw the promo, I saw, you know, all the lead up going into it, and I was like, well, this looks stupid. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And and yet it's somehow always, every time I see a show that I'm like, that looks stupid, it ends up being fantastic. Yeah, well, and it's funny, too, because I watched the spinoff to this first, which we're going to talk about later. And after I still watched the spinoff, I was like, no, I'm never going to watch the flagship show. Like, this is stupid. I'm not going to get involved in another Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk show. Like, I don't have the time or energy to devote to that and then get my heart broken 10 million times. Like, I was like, I'm not doing it. And then here I am. (laughs) Yeah. Bryna swore up and down that she would never watch 911. And at first I was like, well, you're missing out. And then towards the end, I was like, you're going to watch it. Just just wait. Yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. It's like even after watching Lone Star, I was like, nope, I'm not watching the flagship show. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And then here I am. <laughs> so our friend Ashley, she watched it right from the beginning. And she kept telling us, she's like, you have to watch 911. And I'm not even kidding you. I made it like halfway through the pilot and I turned it off because I was like, this is so stupid. Yeah. And like, case wise, it is pretty stupid. I'm not going to lie. Like case wise, like the cases are just so over the top and dramatic and like, they're kind of silly. And, like, half the time, like, there's very little firefighting in the show, despite the fact that most of the characters are firefighters. Like, it just, on that 
aspect, it is kind of silly. But then, like, character-wise is where you get, like, the depth of the complex characters and the motions and, like, all that stuff. And it's just so good yeah that's where that's where the show is just absolutely golden i i think it's firefighting in the sense that they're more like squad three yeah but even then squad three fights fires very little do we see the station 119 people like or 118 people um fight fires i don't think i've ever seen any character from that show with his or her hand on a hose the only time I can even remember a fire is in um, uh, Captain Nash's backstory. Yeah. That's the only fire story stuff I can remember. I think you are completely right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. that's how it's different from One Chicago, for sure. Um, it's very similar in that, you know, the character-based drama is, you know, where it's where it's gold. Um but I mean, the characters on this show, they, the thing with the characters on this show is that they've all got really rich backstories. And that is where the material comes from that keeps you coming back week after week. Well, and one of the things that I loved, and we talked about this, we've talked about this a lot, just even off mic, is about how 911 has established that backstory by doing these like, blank character insert character name here begins episodes which Mm -hmm. is basically their backstory and how they got to the 118 um and like kind of the circumstances that led them there um or in athena's case like how she became a police officer uh which i've really enjoyed um sometimes those kind of like bottle-ish episodes don't work but on this show they really work and i kind of love how even after they show you that episode, they kind of continue to build off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, like they don't feel like a very isolated episode in that way. Um, but I've really enjoyed the begins episodes. See, my only gripe with the begins episodes is that if I were watching it week by week and not straight through, I think they would make me a little angry because the begins episodes are, they are, they are bottle episodes, but you could have a cliffhanger the week before and then have to take a week's break for the begins episode and then not know what happened until two weeks later. And so I think that happened when Chim got stabbed in season two. Yeah, I think that's two. Like, the, the episode ended with Chim bleeding on the ground, and then it took two weeks to find out what happened because we had to stick a Begins episode in there. Yeah. Well, no, then it must have been three if you were watching live. I wasn't. Well, no, I was still binging at that point. The only the uh, only one I've watched live where it's been like a week, a break in the action that I've been like, oh, man, was Athena. Yeah, and see, I loved, I think Athena's is my favorite Begins episode. Um, I really, really love that episode. I think, and I think we've pretty much, well, I also really love Eddie's. Um, but I I thought Athena's was, like, Eddie's I kind of expected, and, like, Eddie's got overhyped for me. Like, I do love Eddie's Begins, but everyone on the internet, because that was kind of right when I was watching, everyone's like, oh my god, Eddie's Begins episode is, like, amazing. Holy crap. And I was like, it is great, but, like, just a little overhyped for me. I thought Athena's was really powerful. And I think at this point we're pretty much done, right? So 
I don't know if we're going to get a Buck episode just because I feel like we saw Buck begin. The but... only person I feel like would be interesting that's left is Michael. Michael and Maddie. Don't forget Maddie. Oh, yeah. But we also kind of know a lot about Maddie's backstory because of, you know, the abusive husband storyline. And, you know, we know that part of her backstory. Yeah. So and everything that kind of came along with that. So I don't know. But yeah, Michael's, I think, would be interesting to see. Yeah, Michael's would be really interesting. I just I I love pretty much every character on that show. There's not because like some shows you have a character that you're just like, oh, my God, I can't stand them. But this show, I feel like all of the characters are strong. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there are some I like more than others. Mm -hmm. But like, there is not a single character. I'm like, oh, that character is the worst. I hate them. I wish they would go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's strong characters. So I mean, if we run it down, I mean, you've got, okay, so Buck is, like, sort of, not the rookie, but, you know, he's the youngest one. He's the newest one on the block. Um, Peter Krause plays Bobby Nash, who is the captain. Um, and Bobby's backstory will just, like, rip you to shreds. That The Bobby Begins episode is really powerful. Yeah, that's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, Hen is fantastic. Jim is fantastic. Eddie's fantastic. Um Eddie, the character, we, you know, we have to separate Eddie, the character from Ryan Guzman, the actor. He has made some problematic remarks. Um, yeah, I was just about to say, yeah. we got to definitely separate Eddie. As much as I love Eddie, I do not, we do not support anything that Ryan said recently. No, no. Ryan was in the news for bad reasons. It was not pretty. And yeah, no, we don't, we do not support any of what he said to get himself in hot water. One good. Uh, Who are some of your favorite characters on the show? Oh, I mean, I love Buck. Like, Buck will always have my heart. He just has had my heart from the beginning. Like, I I just love Buck. Um, Eddie very much fits my, like, archetype of, like, character. Like, he's army, you know, just, uh, like, I... Especially just, like, him, the fact that he was army, just, like, as soon as I see someone's army on any show, I'm like, oh, Okay, like, I love them already. <laughs> um, I don't know why that is, but I Eddie just fits all my bills. And just the way Eddie is with his son, like, Eddie is just a great character, and I'm really excited to see what comes for Eddie in season four. And then I really love Hen. Like, I really, really love Hen. And mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to, or I didn't, th- let's reverse. I didn't think Hen would be one of my favorites. I didn't think I was going to love Hen as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, she and Karen are one of the best relationships on the show. Oh, my God. It's just, I mean, well, I was about to say it's always been so solid. It has not always been so solid. But, you know, they're they're solid. Like, you know, they're with each other till the end. And I think. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're a great relationship. So good. So, so good. That episode when Hen um, hits the, the car with the fire truck and she is just, like, beside herself, like, Aisha Hines is, huh? No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, Aisha Hines is an incredible actress. Like, she's severely underrated. Yeah, for sure. That moment, especially that episode entirely, but that moment specifically wrecked me. Like, I was, like, full-on sobbing. I was like, what? I mean, all the tears. And Adina was literally, like, holding her up. It was just, yeah. 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 And those are the moments, too, like, that is a moment, you know, 
I think there could be an entire argument about, you know, whether shows like this deserve to be, like, nominated for Emmys and, you know, things like that. But, like, that is a moment that definitely should have given Aisha some, like, Emmy nomination consideration, at least. Yeah. I think. I mean, I think all of the network shows... All network shows should be eligible to be considered for Emmys. And I know that they are, but also that's BS. Because, like, you know. Right. Like, 911 is never going to win an Emmy. I don't no, think. because it's network. But, like, right. Yeah, unfortunately. Yet, if you stuck it on FX and you added in some F words and maybe a and little bit of nudity, nudity, it would be up for all the awards. <laughs> What'd you say? Yeah, I said nudity, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, have Bobby drop a couple of fucks in there and, you know. That's it. Yeah. One is just, I mean, we don't need to get in this whole conversation. We can get into it off mic. But, like, how, even though it's not been that long of a time, period, like, in years, like, when, I mean, you know, shows did used to get nominated, like, Grey's and Glee and Modern Family. And, you know, there were a bunch of shows that used to, network shows that used to get nominated and how, like, in such a little time, it's turned so fast. I mean, this is us always gets nominated, but I feel like other shows must and look chillin, but it's okay. It what? That and it always doesn't need to be, but okay. Yeah, I agree with you. We can talk about that another time. But anyway, um, yeah, but I feel like I feel like all of the other network shows must look at this is us and just be like, oh, kiss ass. Like that's that's the golden child for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I mean, I, I love everybody on that show. I can't even I don't know if I can really pick a favorite. I mean, Bobby's backstory is incredible. That moment in season one when he breaks down to Hen and I think Buck is just like rip your heart out. Good. Um, there's also that. Well, moment, kind of go- huh? Go ahead. You- uh, well, I was gonna say, there's, there's the moment in this past season when uh, when they think Bobby is exposed to radiation and he gets like a random nosebleed and Buck is like, OK, did you get that checked out? He's like, don't worry about it. And Buck gives him this whole speech and he's like, no, like I look up to you. I respect you. I need you. I can't do this job without you. Like, take this seriously. I loved it. They're just they're such a family. When I think one of my favorite Bobby moments, too, is we talked about this the last time we recorded is about when you find out the reason he has the book with the names oh, the book. and like that whole storyline like that was an element I never expected. And like that was a I don't even know what the right word for it was, but that was like a that was a moment. It you know, that was I, mean, I was not expecting that. That's that that whole thing. When you find out about the book, it's gut wrenching. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, big time, big time. So if we get into ships on this show, oh boy. So the (laughs) number one ship from this show is actually not canon. I would like it to be. Yeah, I think as much as I like the idea of Buck and Eddie, which is what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. I still think we're a couple seasons from that happening, though. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Um just because, like, I don't – as much as – again, I love the idea of them, and I would not complain if they went there. I just don't feel like right now – I mean, like, because Buck and Eddie, like, for people who don't necessarily know what we're talking about, like, Buck and Eddie are two straight males. As far as we know, and they're I'm, straight. As far as we know. As far as we know. I I would like to think based on what we've seen, but, like, I, again, I don't know. Um, But – 
so I think you would have to go through a lot of character growth on one and or both of their parts in order to get to the point where you could have a relationship with them. Um, but I think why so many people, including myself, and I'm like to say I speak for you on this too, like gravitate towards them is just how vulnerable they can be with each other and like how much they just care about each other and how honestly fast that friendship happened and like how quickly they came to care about each other just because Eddie came in in season two mm-hmm. and like it was kind of almost right off the bat that that relationship happened like that and they were BFFs. So there's a lot to love about that pairing, but I just still think in terms of it becoming canon, we're still a little ways off. Like, I think this is going to be like a painful. It's going to be a painful burn. slow burn. Yeah. It's going to be a painful, painful, painful slow burn. So along with Eddie comes Eddie's son, Christopher. And I mean, I think Buck and Buck and Christopher might be my favorite relationship on the show like aside from buddy i think buck and christopher is my favorite yeah uncle buck uncle buck is amazing yeah and like too it's moments like that because that is basically the core of the three episode arc that is the ridiculous tsunami episode (laughs) (laughs) but like it's the moments like that like where that storyline that is so emotionally heavy balances out the crazy stupid storyline that is the tsunami crashing in the middle of Santa Monica Pier and like wiping out half of LA um but like the balance of it works really well but like yeah it's you know that is the the show in a nutshell so here's the deal with the tsunami is that this was something when our friend Ashley was watching this I got sick sick joy out of sending her the promos and just saying this looks so ridiculous. What the hell are you watching? Until I started watching it. And then I just kind of was like, oh, yeah, Tsunami. This is totally plausible. Or like, oh, yeah, Buck cut the head off a snake. This is totally believable. I fell for it. But see, for me, I never thought like I still as much as I do really like this show. Tsunami. So stupid. I feel like so though, I feel like the characters are kind of in on the joke with us. I feel like everybody knows that the calls are over the top ridiculous. But at this point, I think the characters are just like, our job is fucking weird. And they just move forward with it. Yeah, it's like, what parallel universe are we actually living in? I guess I have to roll with it. Mm-hmm. But also, let me just tell you some things about this tsunami. Because, hi, behind the scenes, nerd. We all know this. But, you guys, they filmed this in Mexico. They went down to Mexico to film in this ginormous tank of water. The same tank they filmed Titanic is what they used. to Basically, they replicated the Santa Monica Pier. They made a whole other city, air quotes, to look like L.A., and they basically just went and played in the water for however many weeks. It's so cool. Yeah, that that is, that is really cool. That's, so cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And then yeah. Oliver Stark, who plays Buck, he posted some behind the scenes videos. And so they they he basically showed us how they did this one shot where he basically takes Christopher and puts him over this like carnival stall and then jumps in as the water comes after him. I mean, it's so cool. Yeah, it, that, I do. Again, I respect what 911 does with some of these over the top crazy calls and like how cinematic they look and like how cool they are. Mm-hmm. But like storyline wise, I'm like, OK, but like a tsunami's 
more likely than not going to crash in the middle of Santa Monica and wipe out half of LA. But also, but, it, it's know. 2020. Who the hell knows anymore? Don't jinx it, Gina, please. <laughs> I don't know. I'm half expecting aliens to arrive any day now and be like, you got punked. So I don't even know. <laughs> but yeah, Buddy is fantastic. Buck and Christopher, I mean, chef's kiss. Eddie and Christopher, of course, just amazing. Um, elsewhere in ships, you got Bobby and Athena, who are just adorable. Goals, really. Total goals. Yeah, for sure. Well, and something we, you know, talk about a lot, too, is how the way their blended family dynamic works with, like, Michael, who's Athena's ex-husband, and Bobby, and how there's no hatred between them. Like, they truly put just the kids, you know, and just their entire family, you know, at the forefront. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. That, that, yeah, that whole aspect of how they make the blended family work is incredible. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, they're so, so good. So good. Um, and then outside of Bobby and Athena, you've also got Maddie and Chim, which at first I paid no mind to. And now they're actually quite adorable. Yeah, I do actually really like Maddie and Chim. I didn't think I was going to like Maddie. Cause I have an irrational hatred of Jennifer Love Hewitt. But like, <laughs> you know, it's fine. Uh, explain to everybody the irrational hatred of Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, so basically... <laughs> In, like, 2011, 2012, 13, in that time frame, um, Jennifer Love Hewitt had a show on Lifetime called The Client List that I was obsessed with. And basically, it was two seasons long, and it was expected to be renewed for a third season. And then that renewal got put on hold when Jennifer Love Hewitt announced she was pregnant. And the real father of her child is Brian Halisay and now her husband. Um, And he played one half of her love triangle on the show, the half that I didn't like, like, at all. I think most people didn't like. Um, And so she reportedly, like, wanted people, or wanted Brian Halisay's character to be the father of her baby on, like, the show that, you know, was gonna, I guess, come in the third season, while the network and the writers and everyone else (laughs) wanted the other half of the love triangle to be the father of the fictional baby and so lifetime's like i don't know what we're gonna do because like you know then it just turned into a huge mess and basically because hewitt was so insistent on like the story going the way the opposite way of the way everyone else wanted it to go it got canceled and i've just irrationally hated her ever since (laughs) so this is like my irrational hatred for ben affleck so i can't judge it's totally okay i have a very irrational hatred towards ben it's just like it was just, you know, like, especially, too, like, I was in high school, like, that ended, I guess, like, at the end of my senior year, and so, like, I was not new to shipping, but, like, shipping was still very early in my life, and I was just, like, what do you mean, like, they can't be together? I was just, like, so mad, and, it, you know, of course, it's the show that, like, ended on a cliffhanger, and I was just so mad. Mm-hmm. I was just so mad. <laughs> I was so pissed, but, Have yeah. you warmed up to her at all through Maddie? I have, and I'm surprised. I do really like Maddie. Like, I do. Um, but then, of course, Brian Halisay pops up on the show as her abusive ex-husband. And I was like, can I watch something with her in it without him? Like, are they just a package <laughs> deal now? I was like, what is happening? And um, then I got mad all over again for a hot second because I was like, you've got to be kidding me. 
but then I'm I'm okay now. But I still she again. It's an irrational hatred. You can watch the Barbie dance workout video from like the early '90s. She's in it then, and he's not. <laughs> Too funny, but yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. I think we all like if you're in fandom and into this world long enough, you fa- probably have an irrational hatred of someone that makes no sense to anyone else but you. Yeah, and that is mine. Yeah. Um, I don't like Ben Affleck because of the time that he tried to play Daredevil. Um, but lo and yeah, behold, he's Yeah, I've not seen it, but, you know, I believe you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jim and Maddie, yes, they're fantastic. Season three ended, season three was kind of anticlimactic in the ending, but also I'll take it. Yeah, it was. Um, but I'm okay with it. But I will say, if we're talking about the ending of season three and we're talking about ships... I do think it's important to talk about Buck and Abby because, like, that was such a big part of the show for, you know, an entire season. I know I'm in the minority when I say this. I actually kind of like them, but I feel like I can appreciate them and appreciate them more because I wasn't watching live and I already knew that Connie left. So I knew not to get, like, too, too attached. But I know I'm, like, in the minority when I say that. Here's here's my okay Buck and Abby oh Buck and Abby I never liked them I never liked them nope yeah Here, like I said I know I'm in the minority with that uh, my okay my deal with Abby is that she brings out a side of Buck Buck fell in love with her hands down like she is probably the first like serious love of his life and the way Buck is is that. He is just full steam ahead. He doesn't think. He just acts. And then repercussions happen. And Bobby's just like, damn it, Buck. That's literally it. And so Abby brings out this side of Buck where it's just reckless and it's just danger. And let's let's be real here. When the show starts, season one episode or episode one, Buck's an asshole. Buck's an yeah, asshole. Buck is an asshole in episode one. Buck kind of yeah, sucks. 100%. Yeah. And so he has grown so much in the season since, but every time Abby is interjected into the situation, he becomes that person again because she brings out that side of him where he just doesn't think he just is like, oh, my God, I have to do this right now. And yeah, so I never I never liked Abby and Buck. I didn't like how Abby, like how that whole Abby thing ended up at the end of season three. I just yeah. Yeah, that was just weird. And like. I don't know. Like, I think part of the reason why, like, again, I like the idea of them. I think Abby should have, when she left, or at least, you know, obviously when she left, I think she still was, you know, very into Buck and, like, thought she was going to come back in a month or two and, you know, whatever. But when she realized that wasn't going to be the case, like, it's not that hard to pick up the damn phone and be like, yeah, I'm not coming back. Right. Okay, bye. What the hell was she planning to just like never see Buck again or like to go to L.A. and just kind of like forget that, you know, he was even there? I don't know. But also, too, on Buck's side, I like why did you think it was smart to, that you were going to wait for her? I get it after again. If if they truly thought it was just going to be like a month or two. OK, fine. Wait for her to come back. Whatever. But like when months three passes by and then month six passes by and then you know whatever month nine passes by and like she still has to come back she's not coming back dude like just move on with your life no but he waited because he's 26 years old and you know it was puppy love for him it was his first love so he was just like whatever you say and it bugs me that abby didn't realize that 
Like, she was so wrapped up in what she had going on that she didn't quite realize, oh, yeah, I'm dating a younger guy, so I should be aware of some things here. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I just, I think they were both slightly at fault. Abby more at fault, but Buck was also slightly at fault yeah. for the way this ended. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, definitely agree with that. I'm glad that chapter of Buck's life is closed now, though. I'm glad he was able to move on. Or so we think. Yeah. So yeah. we think. Uh, with that said, though, Connie Burton is a queen. I mean, we'll just, just oh, that's, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, Connie. Yeah, hail, hail Connie. Hail Burton. Connie. Yeah. Hail Queen Connie. Hail Connie. Yeah. Yeah. So. Any other words about 911? Just, I will say this. If you are like us, and me especially, because Gina caught on board before I did. I did. If you think it's stupid, give it a few episodes and, like, give it a chance. Because I think it is better than, like, it seems from the promos. Did we already establish that this show has a terrible pilot? Um, no, we didn't necessarily say that it has a terrible pilot. And I don't think it's the worst pilot I've ever seen, but it's not like, oh, my God, this is an amazing pilot. It's not good. (laughs) Like, most shows will have a strong pilot and then see, like, a sharp decline in the quality of the episodes. This is the other way around. This show has a terrible pilot. It is not good. It's actually really over the top and stupid. But you've got to stick through it because the episodes that follow are where it gets better and better and better. Yeah, and I think, too, I think it's one of those shows where you have to really buy into it, right? Like, yeah, the the cases are kind of over the top, but, like, they kind of – even though it's in reality, like it's set in LA, you know, modern times, whatever, like you kind of have to buy in that it is just such a weird fictionalized version of LA. And, you know, like the cases are weird and like tsunamis hitting the Santa Monica pier and take wiping out half of LA can happen. And, you know, whatever um, earthquakes, I mean, you know, or at least the massive kind of earthquakes that this had, you know, whatever. Um, because if you don't do that, then like, you're not going to like it. Yeah. Um, also, like buy in and then, yeah. say again. I'm sorry. What'd you say? I said, you know, like buy in and then we can go, you know. Yeah. yeah. Then you can go from there. Um, also, Ronda Rousey makes a brief couple of appearances. So I don't know. That's, I mean, it's relevant, but it's not relevant. I don't know why I had to just add that in. But yeah, Ronda Rousey comes around too. And I like her. I wish she would have stuck around more. Yeah, she's not actually that bad. Like for someone who, I, as far as I know, has like, very prior to like the few job acting jobs she's done like it's not like she was trained to be an actress Mm -hmm. as far as i know like she's actually not bad i wish they hadn't gone so on the nose with it though because she comes in in early season three and then the next thing you know she and eddie are in some like underground fighting ring like they had to bring fighting into this yeah i guess that's true um i'm just also thinking back like she's in the entourage movie and i actually kind of really liked her in that movie too okay Cool. Yeah. But, yeah. So that's 911. I love it. Bryna loves it now, too, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Moving over to ABC. So we're going to talk about Station 19 now. And oh boy, do we have feelings about Station 19. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. So uh, Station 19 premiered on March 22nd, 2018. 
It's a spinoff of Grey's Anatomy, which like when they announced that this was happening, I was just like, wow, could you be any more blatant in ripping off one Chicago? Because like Grey's Anatomy is on like season 37 and you're just now making a spinoff. Okay. Um, but yeah, of well, course. Well, I guess it wasn't just now making a spinoff. It was now just now making a firefighting spinoff. Because remember, you technically had private practice. Oh yeah. Oh, you are right. Didn't they? I thought they did. They have another spinoff off of that too. Not Private Practice, but Grey's. I don't think so. I forgot about Private Practice. My bad. Yeah. So it's anyway, a, continue. yeah. It's a Grey spinoff. It's the men and women of you know the the station nineteen in Seattle, and it's actually really good. So the cast is fantastic. Um, you've got Jana Lee Ortiz, who was on, what was the show with Morris Chestnut? Rosewood. Rosewood. Yes, she was on Rosewood. You've got Jay Hayden, who has been in a couple of things. He was on The Catch. He was Rebecca's therapist on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend to make this relevant to One Chicago. He is best friends with Jesse Lee Soffer. Um, over for the Hamilton fans, you've got Okirieti Odawan. He plays Dean. He's the original James Madison Hercules Mulligan. Hercules Mulligan. Yeah, I was like, holy crap, what's his name? Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, I, it's a great cast. It's a really great cast. And I feel like this show's got, it's a totally different dynamic than One Chicago. And even though it's a drama and things tend to be really heavy, it approaches things, it tries to approach things in, like, an airy, light kind of way. Yeah, I agree with that. It very much, I mean, obviously, it is a Grey spinoff. It has a lot of the characteristics of a Shonda show and, like, specifically, like, Grey's Anatomy with when it comes to voiceover monologues and that, how that kind of dictates, dictates, I cannot speak tonight, (laughs) dictates the episode and, like, you know, kind of the theme of the episode and all that stuff. Like, it very much feels like a Grey's Anatomy spinoff rather than, like, a firefighting show similar to, like, one Chicago or Chicago Fire. Right. Um, It's very different. Yeah, very different. The other way that it's different is that all six of them are – trained as firefighters and paramedics so it changes which i think is so cool yeah yeah it is cool i think it's the same way on 911 too it's just that hen and chim are the best at it i don't think that's true huh i think they're not though like i think it's just hen and chim i could be wrong Hmm. i don't know i don't know but Station 19, again, it, it changes who is on Ambo from episode to episode. And it's not even called Ambo on Station 19. It's the aid car. Again, differences. It's cool. And the the divide between male and female characters, it's a lot more equally weighted. It's not completely equal. There are four guys, three girls, right? Yeah. But, yeah, there's three females in this firehouse, which is fantastic. Um, so if we break down the characters, I mean, these are highly flawed individuals, which I think makes them more relatable. Definitely. Definitely. Like, they very much fit, again, because it is a Grey's Anatomy spinoff, they definitely fit the, like, character character archetypes of, like, Grey's Anatomy characters Mm -hmm. when it comes to, like, complex, um, you know, rich characters. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, the, the main character, Andy, is a mess. Yeah, she's a hot mess. I mean, hot. I love her. Uh, yeah. Hot mess. Pun not intended, but you know. Hot mess. Hot, hot mess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Um, they started off with a good, strong friendship between Andy and Maya. And seasons two and three, they've actually driven a giant wedge between them, which I don't really like. But they seem to have gotten back to some sort of common ground, although I don't think things will ever be the same. This might be a hot take. I don't actually care about the Andy and Maya friendship. Really? No. I, I've never, like, it's never been, like, it was never something that really, really appealed to me. I think there are other better friendships on the show. Like, Vic and Travis, Jack and Dean, Jack and Andy, um, Dean and Vic, uh, Maya and Jack, when that was kind of a friendship. I don't really know what to call that anymore, but whatever. Um, yeah, I just think there are better friendships on the show. Yeah, and I, I feel the same way. I think it's just because seasons two and three, they drove that gigantic wedge between them. Like, really? Really? Why? So, I get it. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that, though. Andy and Maya are far down the list in terms of other relationships on the show. So, if you were to ask us who our favorite relationships on the show are, you would get two drastically different answers. Bryna and I seldom disagree, but... We disagree a lot when it comes to Station 19. Okay. Our, I feel like our answers when it comes to Andy's love life, like not necessarily my, because that is not my favorite ship on the show, but it's my favorite of Andy's ships. Do you know what I'm saying? Because my favorite ship on the show is unfortunately no more, but like we'll yeah. get there in a second. Yeah. But yeah, my favorite of Andy's ships. I feel like there needs to be some clarification there. Okay, let's like loop back around and start with the love triangle that started the whole damn show. Okay, so the the show basically began on the whole premise of should Andy be with Jack or should Andy be with Ryan? And it's a complicated answer. It's not, I mean, I could just straight up answer Jack, but you know, I feel the need to explain quite a bit of things. Well, and so it's funny, when we're talking about from the beginning, I was very in from the beginning. Like, in season one, you were kind of like, I don't know, like, I could kind of see her with either one, you know. I think I'm leaning towards Jack, but I don't know. Whereas, like, I was like, no, Team Jack all the way. Ryan sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Which is an opinion I carried throughout the whole thing. Well, the Ryan sucks part, at least. I very much carried that opinion through the whole thing. Um, But then it's like, in terms of... I love Jack still, and I would not be upset if they went Team Andy and Jack, but, like, I love Sullivan for her a little bit more. I did not turn on Ryan until they put the kibosh on the whole triangle. Once the whole triangle was done, I very slowly but surely was like, oh, no, Ryan's not relevant anymore. Yeah, I mean, I just didn't like him in season one, but then he became not relevant anymore, and I was like, he may be the most pointless character i've ever seen yeah yeah and so and i know that that's like a hot take well i guess it's like half a hot take because there is a very strong ryan faction on the you know in the fandom and i can appreciate that and i do think ryan didn't necessarily deserve to die and definitely did not deserve to die the way he did spoiler alert if you're listening to this i mean ryan dies in season three but 
I still didn't like Ryan. So I'm not sad that he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And here's the question is, what does 9, because 911 and Station 19 both focus on the fire department with one cop character. One. What does 911 do so differently that makes Athena such an integral part of the cast that Station 19 failed to do with Ryan? I think you just answered your question. They actually integrate her into, like, storylines and, you know, mm-hmm. have her interact a lot more and, like, actually use her on case, you know, like, the characters from the 118 what, on 911 will, you know, show up to a call and then Athena will be there too. But Athena will, like, actually go in the house and, like, you know, do something with them or whatever. Ryan kind of would always just show up at the end and either, like, half the time didn't even make comments about the case or whatever call they were working on. He'd just be like, ooh, Andy, like, your drama, blah, blah, blah. Like, make a comment about Andy's life mm-hmm. and, like, that whole situation rather than, like, an actual comment about the case. So I just feel like Ryan was never integrated as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I get that. You know? And I think, too, with 911, granted, like, they kind of established, too, with, like, the dispatch, the dis aspect of the show that it wasn't as much as it's about the firefighters themselves at that station it's about all the different aspects of rescue service members that work together to make a call successful and like answer a call successfully so like the dispatch police and fire Mm -hmm. and then you know aid is there too ambulance is there too but like that's not station 19 like station 19 is solely firefighting and like solely that station so why they ever had a police character in there in the first place i don't know it doesn't make sense to me right right yeah i agree i think and and towards the end there too they tried to give us little tidbits about andy and ryan's friendship as kids and growing up and everything but it was like I, I feel like it was just so half-assed. After they killed him, they were just like, oh, these are all things we probably should have told you before we killed him. Oops. Yeah, I don't care. And I just didn't care. I know. I know. Like, it was just basically, I'm, you know, and I feel like I, you know, I, I just feel like it was wasted time. I see that. Yeah. So, and, and here, okay, so here's my gripe with Andy and Jack, though. I, hmm. these two get each other, right? But I don't think they know how to be just friends. I think they only know how to be friends with benefits. Yeah, but are you saying you want them to be just friends? Or are you saying you want them to be more than friends with benefits? I, I mean, I, I don't, okay. I want whatever's best for Andy, basically. So, yeah. When at the beginning of season three, when Jack took Andy to his childhood foster home and was like, hey, you know, we should probably move in together. Like, this is a good situation. I was like, yes, this is what Andy needs. Jack will watch out for her. Jack will let her talk through her grief because Jack understands Andy on a level that nobody else in the firehouse does. And yeah, and Andy can talk to Jack unlike with her father. She can't really talk to her father. And so I was like, cool, good. This is exactly what Andy needs. Like, awesome. And then two seconds later, they're fucking. I was like, okay. I was like, I, if that's what you need, Yeah, Andy. that was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree. I thought Jack taking her to the 
his old foster house and like that whole storyline. I thought that was one of the best things season three like came out of season three. I thought that was great. And then, like you said, they turn around and it's like, oh, well, we're sleeping together again, but like just sleeping together. And I was like, huh? Why? Like, what is that doing anybody? It's not doing anybody any good. Because like Jack was also so and he still is like so messed up and like dealing with things. And that was his way of like coping, but not actually dealing with the issue. And I was just like, that's not good for anybody. No. And it's especially not good because he has that same ability with Maya. Like. Maya and Jack can talk to each other on a level that nobody else can. But then also it's the same thing with Maya that it is with Andy. Two seconds later, after their nice heart to heart conversation, they're fucking. Yeah, but that relationship fizzled a lot more. Like Maya and Jack is not really much a thing anymore since Karina came into the picture. Yeah, but they screwed in like the penultimate episode of the season. Yeah, I try to forget that because I really didn't like Maya and Jack. But um, I try to like wipe that out of my brain um but yeah i just i don't know and, and like again if they ever go back to like andy and jack as a full-on like romantic thing i will not be mad about it but i just right now really like andy and sullivan although i don't know where that's gonna go either so oh god um andy and sullivan <laughs> I have never been on board with Andy and Sullivan. Not, never. And this is where we actually really disagree, Mm because I really like Andy Sullivan, and you do not. I do not. I can't stand Sullivan. I can't stand him. But what, like, what specifically about him can't you stand? He acts like, well, at first, especially at first, he acts like he is so high and mighty, and such an example of leadership. Meanwhile, he's quite literally putting his team at risk. I mean, thank God Emmett was there that day that he overdosed. Thank God. I mean, I just, he's, he gets very, he gets very high horse. I, and I don't, I don't really like the way that he is with Andy. Now, yes, he can be vulnerable with her, but I feel like he sometimes kind of talks down to her. Or maybe not. I just I just don't like him. I never warmed up to him. Uh, the episode when he and Pruitt had lunch together, him and Andy and Pruitt, and then they had the immigration crisis in the back room. Mm-hmm. I mean, good. They used their voices. They stood up for the guy. Excellent. Like, that's exactly what we should be doing in this day and age. But Sullivan was very high horse about it. I don't know. I don't know. I will say, like, I feel like a lot of times with a character like Sullivan, I mean, yes, he had, before he came to the Station 19, he had suffered some tragedy. But I feel like a lot of times with those characters, it's just because they've never been put in their place and never had, like, the bottom drop from out underneath them. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I think it takes that happening for them to, like, wake up and be like, oh, shit, you know. And I think, too, like, with Sullivan... I think one of the big turning points was, like, when he finally clean, came clean to Andy when he was helping that guy from – that other military guy in the store from not killing himself. Yeah. Um, and, like, Andy's standing there, and he's, like, trying to use his experience to calm the guy down but ends up telling Andy and that whole thing. And I think that was his, like, rock bottom for him. And he was like, oh, shit, you know, like, I'm about to tell her, but, like, you know – yeah." 
that's, you know, it's better. I have to tell her, you know, we can't move on unless I tell her. Like, we can't have a fu- potentially have a future if we don't come clean about this. So right. I think sometimes, too, it's those characters who are on their high horse. Like, they really just have to have their moment of, like, hitting rock bottom and, mm-hmm. like, having just the floor fall from beneath them. And I think Sullivan did that. Doesn't mean I necessarily excuse his behavior in some of those high horse moments because it's not great. But I can appreciate those kind of characters because you know, hopefully this serves as a moment of change. And I think it has for Sullivan, like, so far. Do I think his and Andy's relationship cover recovers because she's just going through so much shit after losing, I mean, Ryan and then also her dad? I don't know. I don't know if their relationship can recover, um, which is unfortunate because I really like them. But, like, Andy not being there when Sullivan wakes up from surgery is really not a good look. It's not, but also, like, she is spiraling. At that point, I feel like she is just so consumed by her grief that she's almost not herself. Yeah, but she also, and I don't want to say, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. But at some point, you have to be willing to help yourself because it's not like, Everyone hasn't tried to get through to her. Like Sullivan has, you know, Jack has, Maya has, you know, people have. And she, you know, hasn't, right as of right now, hasn't really done much to really help herself. Right. And she'll bounce back. Is, I mean, she always does. But also, too, like that whole, that whole mom reveal. Yeah. How much is that? I mean, like, I don't like that reveal. I think it's a little cheesy, but how much more is that going to send her down the, you know, spiraling? I think she got screwed by bad storytelling in that instance. Yeah, I, I'll i be curious. to. See. I don't like the storyline, but I'll be curious to see where they go with it. Yeah, and especially that, I mean, her mom died when she was nine, and now she's like early 30s, and really her mom's been alive this whole time, left her kid for 20 plus years. And then just comes back all smiley. What? Yeah. 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 I don't. Yeah. And the reasoning yeah. behind it was kind of off too. I don't know. So you know how these outlets will put out a postmortem after all the season finales. And basically they interviewed Krista Vernoff and she was just like, oh, I mean, she's like in the writer's room from day one. We've just always known that she's alive. So we went with it just because that's what we felt. And I'm like, all right, then I will just wait and see how this spells out but i'm with you that it seems completely cheesy yeah just so cheesy so cheesy so cheesy so um let's talk about your favorite ship from the show because like you said it's not in existence anymore and it's a favorite of a lot of people who watch station 19 now admittedly i don't remember a lot about vic and ripley so bryna take it away oh they never got a chance and it just breaks my heart Ripley is Station 19's Denny. But actually, though, like, it had such a chance to be just such a good, quality, healthy ship. And then Krista Vernoff ripped it from... No, she was not at the helm that season. Stacey McKee ripped it from us, ripped him from us, and I will just never get over it, ever. It was cruel. Like, just so cruel. I didn't see it coming. I 
I mean, I did only because I was not watching live. And I remember you were texting me because it was a crossover. And you were like, and you were just like, you were like, I don't even care. But like, I'm in tears and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, you guys, Station 19 airs on Thursdays, and that's when we record. And so we never get to watch Station 19 live, like ever. And this just Mm -hmm. happened to be one week where Brandon couldn't record. So I was home and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm behind. I'll watch Station 19 live, whatever. And wow. Yeah. Just wow. Just cruel. Yeah, it was just, they were just so good. And like, I think the thing that's heartbreaking about it, too, is that like, Ripley, I think it made, like, some random appearances and, you know, earlier on. But, like, there was really only probably, like, less than 10, maybe 10 at the most episodes that he's in. And so, like, you – and especially, like, it's a very – it's kind of a grad – like, it kind – it's really not until, like, the few episodes before his death that, like, there's a lot of, like, shipping stuff for them. So we just didn't really get to spend a lot of time with him and, like, with them as a couple. And it just – kills me the thing that kills me about Vic and Ripley is that final scene right as he's dying when he just is like we finally got we actually got to spend the rest of our lives together he's like I'm glad I got to spend the rest of my life with you I was like oh did you want my heart to just like rip out of my body and stomp on go right ahead there's so many moments moments from that scene like it's like a five minute long scene but there's just so many moments too because they're talking about how, like, they never got to take their trip to, you know, Hawaii, I think is what they were going to. And, like, how he, like, there's a moment, too, where he's like, you know, I'll marry you now. And he's like, let's look for the, you know, call in the priest or whatever. And she's like, no, no, no. Um, And he, like, notices that she did something different with her hair. And it's just like, oh, that whole moment just, like, kills me. I like, just, it's... The- the call early in the episode when Vic is negotiating with the girl who's um, up on top of mm-hmm. whatever she's on top of. And like, she's like, do not interrupt me. Like she gets spooked. Do not interrupt me. And they keep interrupting her. And she's like, what the hell are you doing? And yeah, it just the whole episode is just a killer. Yeah, but they are really good. And I do really enjoy their scenes. And I just there was. It just makes me mad that we didn't get to spend more time with them because I really, really, really love Vic and Ripley. Like, I really do. And now I'm probably going to go watch more of their their scenes after this because, like, yeah. One of my favorite, favorite scenes in Station 19 history comes, like, right after his death when it's, like, the end of the episode and Vic climbs on top of the, the fire truck and she's just, like, kind of laying there. And then one by one, everybody comes up and just, like, kind of not like cuddles with her but like they all just kind of hug each other and they're all touching in some way just to show that they're like this connected family and then at the end of it travis is the last one to hop up and so maya moves so that he can be next to her and then they just take the aerial shot and all of them are all interconnected it's just such a sweet sweet moment yeah that's a really good moment yeah it's a really really good moment yeah We also have Ben and Miranda in the outline, and I think that's worth talking about because I feel like Station 19 has kind of breathed a new life into them. It really has, though. I I will forever be grateful for Station 19 just because, I mean, we definitely got Bailey. We definitely, I mean, Grey's Anatomy has been going on for so long. Like, you definitely got Bailey backstory, but I feel like because they used Ben as a way to spin off into Station 19, it's allowed for so much more Ben and Miranda backstory just because there's so many characters on Grey's Anatomy that you very 
seldom get a lot of backstory for certain characters. Um, and so I just feel like we get to see a whole new dynamic of their marriage and their family. And I just, it's been so good. And I've really enjoyed Ben and Miranda. And I was never, I never was opposed to Ben and Miranda on Grey's, but like, I definitely like ship Ben and Miranda now. Yeah, they've been good. I do think the one thing that Station 19 needs to work on, which they've pretty much vowed that they're going to improve on, is that I think they need to cross over more. Because there are, most of the time, actually, when I'm watching Station 19, I completely forget it's in the same universe. And then, like, the next thing you know, I- Meredith pops up, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Here's my problem with the Station 19 Grey's crossovers that they always do. So far, they here's the main, like, components. It's either Ben going and showing up on Grey's, which, again, he's married to Miranda and used to fucking work at, you know... Uh, Sloan Gray, so it doesn't really count. Um, Vic, when she was dating Jackson, which, you know. Oh, God. That was a dud. Yeah. And then Jackson, now that Jackson's kind of hanging out on the PRT, Jackson shows up on Station 19 a lot. Um, But that's it. And, like, the thing, that too, that killed me was when Station 19 premiered in January for its season, and they did that massive crossover with Grey's. Literally, the only way it was actually a crossover was because Ben showed up in the Grey's Hour. I was like, that is not a crossover. <laughs> yeah, you're Especially right, you're right. Car- like, I was like, that is not a crossover. Um, I agree if they want to do some better crossovering. I They got to the point – I'll say this. A lot of Grey's characters show up on Station 19. A lot of Station 19 characters never show up on Grey's. Right. Because, like, even this season, too, we had Owen show up to look at some PRT stuff. And, like, Teddy showed up for a hot second. And Joe was there, which we'll get to that in a second. But, like, you know, a lot of Grey's characters have showed up on Station 19. But Station 19 characters never show up on Grey's. Yeah. Like, ever. Except for, again, Ben. Right. Right. And so... Um, getting into Joe, like we were talking about, one of our listeners, Carlin, she made this suggestion a couple of weeks back that kind of blew our minds. Um, she put forth the idea of Joe and Jack being a ship. How has nobody ever thought of this before? I don't know, but it's an amazing headcanon. Like, amazing, and I need it to happen. It needs I would to happen. so here for that. Like, not only do they have very similar backgrounds, I just think, you know, again, they've only been in one scene together, but they vibed really well on that scene. And, like, Jack deserves better than what he's had, and Joe especially deserves better because she got fucked over this season. And I just, yeah, I would I would love that so much. So, so much. They would be so good together. I mean, they've got the shared childhood experience of foster care. And I feel like Joe would be able to call Jack on his bullshit. Like, effectively. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I think it would be great for them. I think, I I think it would be great for both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have any other notes on Station 19? I mean, there's a lot more, obviously, we could have talked about. Like, we could have talked about Travis. And, I mean, Travis is amazing. I love Travis. But, like, Travis has had a bunch of ships and things that we could have discussed. I mean, Dean and Vic, is that going to be a thing? I don't know. We still can discuss it. I mean, I don't know how much we really want to get into it. Um, What's your take on Travis and Emmett? I don't like Emmett. So, and I think, I don't, I... 
No. <laughs> and no. Brian and I share a brain. So I, yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't like Emmett either. I haven't warmed up to him. I think Travis is better. I just think Travis can do better. And like, I, it surprises me how much of this fandom loves Emmett. Well, I also don't like the way Travis treats him. No, but I also think Travis kind of treated it. I mean, because, like, I think in Travis's mind, Tra- like, he was kind of, you know, kind of just someone to hook up with and, you know, be there, which is fine. But then Emmett got feelings and then he was in the closet and blah, blah, blah. And it was just, I it just it never was going to work. I mean, who knows? We'll see where it really happens. But, like, I just don't know why. Yeah. 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 But also, like, protect Travis at all costs. Yeah, for sure. We love Travis. And like, honestly, I still wish they would have gone back. And I know it was never going to happen because they were they're not based in L.A. But like when they had the L.A. fires and they brought um, Niall DeMarco. Yes. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> and like they, that was like they had way more chemistry than anything. Yeah. What the hell happened with that? Well, he was in L.A. Oh, damn it. You're right. I was just. <laughs> ugh. Thought they were going to build on that. I would have loved to ha- like. I, I would. I would have loved having Niall Demarco on the show. And I remember that finale too, texting you and being like, "Oh my god, is that Niall?" And you were like, "Yup." <laughs> um, we both love Dancing with like, the Stars, which you guys know. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's been Travis's best ship, and he was only in one episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's you there? What's you there? Yeah, and Vic and Dean, I'm just kind of like waiting. Just kind of like, how are we going to play this? What's going to happen here? Yeah, we'll see where that goes. I'm not, like, against it, but we'll see where that goes. I just love Dean, and I just, yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about Maya and Karina, which is also, again, I'm not really a big Maya fan, but, like, I'm kind of into that. I mean, as long as Maya's happy, right? She puts up with a lot of bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I do, and Karina really does seem to care about Maya, Oh, big Which time. is all I feel like you can ask about, ask for, so. You know what I wish Station 19 would do more of is that, you know, Maya's an Olympic gold medalist. They they play upon it every now and then, but it's easy to forget. I want to see her assume the athlete role for an episode or two because Olympic athletes, I mean, they, they do speaking engagements. They make appearances. I want to see Maya do that, like put her in that kind of situation once and just kind of see how it plays out. That'd be kind of fun. It would. I mean, they did, or not Not that they did a whole episode. There was a moment in an episode where you see she's got her gold medal hanging in her locker. So, like, yeah, play on that. I want to see what we could do there. That would be so interesting. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that that's Station 19. Um, we've got tons of feelings about Station 19, so we can keep having this conversation if you'd like. I mean, we've got all of the feelings. Just, same thing goes for 911. So many feelings. So, yeah. Well, and Station 19 was our first love, so, like, it'll always just, you know, yeah, hold a special place in our hearts. Yes, yes. So the next show we're going to talk about is one that our listeners got us into, so thank you for that, guys. Uh, we're going to talk about The Rookie. The Rookie is also on ABC, premiered October 16th, 2018, and the premise of The Rookie is that it follows the oldest rookie in the LAPD. So we follow John Nolan, played by Nathan Fillion, and he is in his 40s, and he basically is he, he basically is witness to a bank robbery. 
and he decides to just change his life and move to L.A. and join the police academy. And it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Although, ironically, I think I speak for both of us when I say the title character. Literally, I can't stand. Yeah, so this is one of those shows where the title character is actually the most boring thing about the whole thing. Yeah. 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 It's the ensemble that lifts this show up to the level that it's at. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if we're talking about ways that it's similar and different, it is different in tone. Very, very different in tone from PD. Now, police shows have definitely come under a lot of scrutiny in recent months, as they should. But the thing about The Rookie is that you're seldom going to find the problematic aspects that you do with shows like PD or, you know, SVU. Um, You're seldom going to find those aspects in The Rookie. The Rookie tries to take a lot more positive light tone. Yes, definitely. Like one of the things that I love is that each teaser for the episode, like before the title credits, that is what the title credit, that is the right terminology right (laughs) (laughs) is like always funny all i can think of one time it wasn't funny but like and those are some like really good moments of the show like it doesn't make any sense really to do with the show but the american idol one is like really actually funny yeah Um, it's so random but also hilarious yeah like the cross promotion and like it's just so funny but like they're just yeah i love that about the show I like the one with the bees when you see the bees on the on the dash cam and they're all like running around just like, yeah, ah! yeah they're so yeah, like I said, they're really funny. It's very funny. Yeah. And so um, it's also different in that it is entirely beat cops. We we don't really cover detectives. There's maybe what one, two detectives and that's it. Yeah. And like they mentioned, you know, people possibly getting promoted to detective and like there's been certain cases where you see a lot more detectives and things like that. And like Armstrong is a whole, is a detective, but yeah, the, the main six are B cops, which I love. Yeah. And so basically we follow John is one of the rookies. We follow his other two rookie classmates, uh, Lucy and Jackson, and it's those three rookies and their pairings with their training officers. So John in season one is paired with Bishop she then leaves. But uh, John's training officer now is Nyla Harper, played by Micaiah Cox, Chicago Metal Um Lucy is paired with Tim Bradford. We will get there because, wow. And Jackson is paired with Angela Lopez. And so it's, it's, a, it's a great show. It's very enjoyable. Yeah, it really it really is, though. I'm really glad. I, I don't think I really had any interest in watching it until – Everyone started tweeting about it, but I'm really glad they started tweeting about it because it's really, really good. Yeah, it seems like there was this like mass like migration from PD to the rookie. When 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 our seasons ended early, it seems like everybody just kind of flocked right over to the rookie. Well, and even before that, but like definitely in 2020, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, yeah. I watched this pilot when it first premiered, and I wasn't impressed. I was like, whatever. Um, but I think it really finds its footing at the end of season one and going into season two. Yeah, I think season two is better than season one. But season one has some good moments. Yeah. So, um, favorite character, Brenna? Tim Bradford. <laughs> Tim Bradford. Uh, yeah, Tim freaking Bradford. 
Tim. Um, I mean, Tim is just perfect in every way, shape, and form. He fits Bryna's favorite archetype like a glove. Um, but like Tim, hmm, dreamy sigh. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I love about Tim is that like he tries to be tough, and he is a tough guy, but like he's very vulnerable. You know, or can't be, and like he has, you know, he just has a big heart, and you see that kind of right off from the bat. Like he doesn't tend to let people in, but he's starting to let Lucy in, and then like you see too with his ex-wife, like how vulnerable he is with her, and it's just I love characters like that. And he's also army, so like hello. Tim is a complete softy on the inside, like complete softy. Yeah, but he doesn't show that side to many people. No, but I feel like everybody also knows it though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, except maybe the, I mean, the rookies, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lucy knows. Lucy definitely well, knows. Well, besides, besides Lucy. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much Jackson and John know, but. I feel like John is a little intimidated by him, and I kind of love that. But he's also not afraid still. Like, he's going to say whatever the fuck John wants to say. Like, He's intimidated, but he's also not going to, you know, he's going to do his own thing. And if he gets chastised for it, he gets chastised for it. Yeah, let's unpack this about John, because I know in some situations I have expressed my dislike towards John and been questioned because people are like, what? How is that possible? Okay. Why? Why is John not our favorite? Um, well, personally, I don't like John because sometimes I think... He knows, like, the whole point of being paired with a training officer is to learn. And sometimes I think John tries to do what's best. Like, he uses his common sense and the wisdom of things he's learned over the past, you know, 40 years of his life. But, like, that's not always applicable to the police environment. So then it all backfires from him and he gets himself in trouble more often times than not. Right. Because he just doesn't listen. He thinks that his life experience somehow supersedes his police training. He's lucky it hasn't gotten him shot yet or anything crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to get him in trouble going into season three, just based on kind of how it ended. But yeah. Oh, man. The the end of the season was wild. It was insane insane i was really disappointed about armstrong too i really like that actor yeah but i will say that's honestly one of the best things that the rookie ever did was the way they ended the season one well not necessarily about that storyline but the fact that basically you have these whole acts leading up in the penultimate episode and you kind of find out at the end that like armstrong's not who you think he is and he's actually the bad guy and then the end the first like 10 minutes of the finale is basically showing you all the acts that happen in the penultimate, but from Armstrong's perspective. And I, I've never seen that done before really. And I think it was so not only just cool, but so effective. Oh, it was genius. Yeah. I just thought it was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Favorite characters other than Tim. I mean, Lucy love Lucy. Just, Yeah. She's fantastic. Um, Angela, also fantastic. Love Angela. Yeah. I mean, the the thing with that the show does really well, too, is that with the portrayal of the female officers is actually quite strong. I think this show does a really good job of, of 
you know, portraying women. Yeah, I I definitely agree. I mean, I just I really love Angela's like no give no shit attitude. Yeah. And in a lot of situations the women on the show are far more experienced than the men and their experience is, you know, respected. They they listen to the females, they don't shut them down or anything. I mean, Nyla has seen more action than any of the guys on the show. And, you know, they listen to her, except for John, who listens to her kind of on a selective basis. But and even before Nyla, um, the the lieutenant in season one who died, what was her name? Uh, Anderson? Yeah, Anderson. Oh, God, I loved her. Uh, When you find out that she's like ex-military police and then she was like police at the Pentagon and stuff like, holy shit. Yeah, she was a badass. She was a badass. Yeah, I was sad when she died. I liked her. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Yeah, I liked her. Um, God, what else on the rookie? Um, Jackson's kind of like, uh, Jackson's interesting. I He has his moments where I'm just like, whatever, dude. But what I like about Jackson is that you come in with this expectation that he is going to be like the star pupil, right? Because mm-hmm. Jackson's dad, Jackson's a legacy, basically. His father is super high up in the LAPD. His father played by Michael Beach, Darius Walker. Um, but you actually find out that he's not perfect. You know, he, he's definitely not perfect. He's he's kind of struggling in certain aspects. And I think that makes him more human. It makes him more likable. Yeah, I agree. I really like Jackson. Sometimes it's hard for me to separate Titus, like seeing Titus as Jackson and then like where I know Titus from, like back in his Glee days and like when I was really into that. Um, so sometimes I'm like hard for me to separate that, but yeah, I do really like Jackson. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Titus was on Glee. Yeah. He was one of the warblers. What? Yeah. Like, and Titus was one of the, like the few who actually like got to go on tours. Like when I saw the Glee tour, we saw Titus. How did I never know this? I don't know. (laughs) I know. Oh, my God. I just Googled it. There he is. Holy crap. Wow. Mind blown. Mind blown. Yeah. So, like, sometimes, especially because, like, I was so into that. Like, sometimes it's hard for me to be like, oh, but, like, you, you know, like, just knowing all the stuff I know about him. Um, But I do really enjoy Jackson. I do really enjoy Jackson and his storyline. baby face. Oh, my God. I know. He was such a little baby. That's hilarious. That's amazing. So... Um, if we talk ships on this show, this is another one where the number one ship is not actually canon. But it will be. Oh, it has to be. Oh, my Chenford loving heart. It Oh, it 100% will be. I fell so hard and so fast for this ship. It's hard not to. I mean, like, it's so obvious that they're going to be together at some point. So the same way that you got into 911 Lone Star, which we'll get to, I think that's kind of the way I got into The Rookie, because um, the episode aired when Lucy got abducted and Tim saves her. And I saw the gifts everywhere. And I was like, I don't know anything about these two, but I'm in. Like, I'm in. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, it's. Oh, my God. Just there. Just, I could just. Uh, I Yeah. Jennifer is amazing. Like. Tim is 
okay with being vulnerable to Lucy, even though she's his boot. And she brings that out in him. And, like, they balance each other. They're just, like, perfect and amazing together. Yeah, it's, again, uh, just amazing. And, like, I think they'll be canon sooner rather than later, hopefully. Mm -hmm. But, like, I don't know. I read a postmortem after the season ended where they had talked to Eric Winter about the whole situation. And Eric Winter is the actor who plays Tim. And he was just like, I don't know, though. I don't think Tim would ever go there. But also, what happens when Lucy becomes a P2? Right. Yeah. I I don't know. And, like, things can happen. You know, circumstances can change. Like, you know. I hope this isn't going to be, like, a Josh and Donna situation where they get seasons and seasons into it and they're just like, oh, we probably should put these two together. They better not. Yeah. They better not. I also wonder, too, like, you know, Josh and Donna wasn't in the time of social media. So, like, would things have changed if the West Wing aired now? And, like, like, could they have gone away with seven seasons without hearing the fandom being like, we want Josh and Donna? Man, 2020 West Wing would be like a circus. It'd be so different. Oh, so different. But you've got to get not even that cast. It has to be like really abrasive, annoying actors. Yeah, I also need you to finish the West Wing, by the way. Okay, I will. I will. I will. I know. You know, when I stopped was when Rob Lowe left. I know. You haven't even gotten to Josh and Donna yet. Like, any of the good stuff. Like, even the non... The couple stuff. If I ever finish The Americans, because I'm getting through it at a snail's pace, but I'm getting through it, I will resume The West Wing. Oh, uh, because the Gaza stuff kills me, but I love What it. season is oh. that? The end of season five. When had... Donna gets hurt in... She goes on the overseas trip and then Josh rushes to Germany to <gasps> be by her side. Yeah, it's like it, a whole stop, stop, You said too much. I need you to go watch it. Please. Okay, okay, okay. I will. <sighs> Chenford, yeah. So Lucy and yeah, Tim. Back. Yeah, Chenford. Yeah. Bringing it on back around. Um, yeah, Chenford is just <laughs> amazing. Just I, I really don't know any other words about them. Then I, I just like my my instinct is to just sit here and be like, they're perfect. They're amazing. Like, also, there's really good Chenford fanfic out there. See, I haven't gone looking for the Chenford fanfic yet. Buddy fanfiction, I could tell you about. Chenford fanfiction, I haven't gone looking for yet. Just go to AO3 and it'll all be there. All right. All right. I will do that after we record. Okay. Awesome. There is one other ship on the rookie that is not talked about enough. And that is Angela and Wesley. The same way that, you know, we were talking about earlier that Travis on Station 19 needs to be protected at all costs. Wesley needs to be protected at all costs. He really does, though. Like, protect Wesley at all costs. He is the cutest little thing. Like, just bubble wrap him. When they're a ship, too, that, like, as soon as I saw their first interaction, I was like, oh, I ship this. Like, I don't know how long Wesley's on the show, but I ship this so hard. It took me a little bit to get on board, but now that they're there, I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, I'm here. I ship it. Let's go. I just, I love 
them. I love their banter. I love what they bring out in each other. Um, I just, I love everything about Angela and Wesley so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sean Ashmore, the actor who plays Wesley, um, I recognize him from another first responder show from quite literally 20 years ago. And the fact that it was 20 years ago just blows my mind. So, Oh, God, way, way back in the early 2000s, in 2000, actually, there was a little Canadian show on Disney called In a Heartbeat. And yeah, Sean played Tyler and it was actually really good. Um, Just 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 YouTube it. Just trust me. Um, Some of you may remember it, which like if that's the case, awesome. But yeah, I'm trying to get Brian to watch it because, you know, because but. Yeah, that's how I remember Sean Ashmore. So every time I see him, I'm always just like, Tyler. So, yeah. But really, like, protect Wesley at all costs. At all costs. All costs. All costs. I guess we do have to touch on John's ships, because he's had a couple. Yeah, but none of them are that great. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the time he dated Lucy, because that was just a cluster. That was just bad. That was just we, we look at those two the same way we look at Ruzik and Upton. We're like, that didn't happen. Just block that out. Yeah. It, literally, yeah. Just, that was bad. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. I liked him and Sarah Shahi's character. They were fine. I like him and Grace, I guess. Um, But, eh. you know. Yeah. I wanted if I wanted if I wanted anything to happen, I wanted it to be with him and Captain Anderson. Um, I liked her. But yeah, I really liked the, her. Unfortunately, never got to happen. She deserved better. Yeah. Well, and the fact too that she died saving John's life—it's just like, <laughs> really. Yup. Yup. I feel like you could make the same meme for John that you see on there have been memes on like TikTok and stuff with like Harry Potter and Hamilton where it's just the same line over and over and they're like me I died for him and it's the same line like over and over and over I think that's what you're gonna get with John after a couple more seasons of the rookie oh yeah probably yeah yeah so but yeah definitely check it out it's really good um the first season is on my Amazon account I'm trying to remember where you could see it the second season is available on Hulu. I don't really know where the first season is. I'll have to get back to you on that. But yeah, it's good. So any other notes on The Rookie? No, just again, another solid, solid show. Yeah. I really hope that I know it's supposedly coming back in the fall. I really doubt it. Um, but I'm really excited for it to come back. You have to like air quote the fall, like the fall fall you know all the shows are coming back in the fall oh yeah so i don't know the last show on the list is 911 lone star this is indeed a spinoff of 911 this show premiered on january 19th of 2020 and the premise is the exact same as 911 it's just that instead of la we are in austin this show is completely different from the parent show it really is. I mean, it is and it isn't. And dare I say better than the parent show? Um, I think it has potential to be better than the parent show, but it's only also been 10 episodes, so. I am more compelled by people like TK and Mateo and Judd and their backstories 
than I am certain backstories on 911. I think I'd ha- I think I'd say right now that it's my favorite of the two. I think you still need I think for it to solidify its ranking as a number one over the parent show, I think it needs to ha- have another season. Oh yeah, yeah. But I'd say it's my favorite of the two. It, yeah, for sure. So this show puts on a masterclass in representation. Just masterclass. So TK is the son of Captain Owen Strand, played by Rob Lowe. TK is gay and he is a recovering drug addict. Um, Paul, right? Paul? Mm-hmm. Paul is a transgender man. Um, Marjan is a Muslim woman. And you see her struggle between, you know, being a firefighter, fighter, fighter and doing what she does and how she interacts with the Muslim community. Um, Mateo is a dreamer. And mm-hmm. so they address that in a couple of episodes. They pack a lot. They pack a lot into 10 episodes in a really, really good way. Yeah. I, yeah, the characters on this show are amazing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So if we're talking similar versus different to One Chicago, so it's pretty different. I mean, it's pretty different in the way that, like, 911 is different. Yeah. Like, it's very similar to 911 and you know you don't really see them in any fires despite the fact that they're firefighters you know like it the cases are over the top um, <laughs> like really over the top but you know and dare i say that cases are more over the top on this show than they are on 911 um some of them Maybe it's because they're just as over the top, but then they also buy into every terrible Texas stereotype you can think of. Yeah, that part's not great. God. Um, so they play the tornado card in like episode three. Like, that was quick. Um, there's the call with the bull semen. Yeah. Yeah. Even the one too, like early, early on where like there's the mer- mercury poisoning attack and then, like, people just start walking because they're, like, poisoned. They start, like, walking out of that glass window and fall, like, face flat into the middle of the, I don't know, office building or whatever. Like, the courtyard. I was like, what is happening? Yeah, what the fuck is that glass made of? Like, it's so... <laughs> How is that glass, like, paper thin? Well, yeah, it was just that whole thing. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the tornado episode, there is a call where a car quite literally is sandwiched between two buildings. Um, yeah, no, Brian is shaking her head. Um, I mean, I'm sure that could happen in certain areas. But here's the funny thing is that when you're a Texan and when you're a Texan and or you go to ATX Festival, you know a couple <laughs> things about downtown Austin, right? Um, mm-hmm. This particular episode, they specified like the exact intersection that this call was at. And it just so happens that that is a real intersection in downtown. Not only is it a real intersection, but it's one that we frequently walk through when we're at ATX Festival. So when they're like, oh, hey, this call is at like 3rd and Neches or wherever it was. I was like, no, it's not. There are not big buildings like that at 3rd and Neches. I, I know that because ATX. But just- right. The streets are not that narrow like it's you know no not no no it's fine it's it's yeah so um but i mean those are the kind of things that like you really have to know but i mean those are just like the funny little details that just get kind of silly there was the one that was like the steak eating contest and the girl like drank too much water or something 
God, yeah. And then, like, to the brawl at the stripper club. And it's just, like, <laughs> so silly. It is. It is. There was also the call with the woman who called the cops on her neighbors because he was making, like, barbacoa or something in the grass. Okay, but that's actually, I hate, that call is really silly, but that call brings one of my favorite scenes because she, like, wants them to, like, arrest him or whatever, and they're not going to do it because he's not done anything wrong. And she, like, pretends to faint or, you know, and that she needs, like, mouth to mouth. And she looks over at TK and he's like, nope, sorry. And then she looks over at Paul and he's like, yeah, sure. And he's like, oh, but by the way, I'm transgender. And it's just like that whole call. And she's like, finally, just like, arrest me. And it's just like, I just love how they go through all the different, um, like, representation things. It's just such a great scene. Yeah, yeah. That is a silly one. Yeah, but I mean, with that said, though, the show's fantastic. I mean, calls aside, again, it's just like 911 in that it's the characters that suck you in. And yeah. so, I mean... I think both of us have the same favorite character. Go ahead, Brian. Who's yours? I mean, TK. I love TK. Protect at all costs. Yeah. And I think Carlos, I mean, Carlos is definitely up there, Mm -hmm. but like, we just don't know enough about Carlos's backstory yet. I think depending on where that goes, like Carlos could equally tie TK for me, but right now TK is, you know, above. You know, I feel like I could say protect them at all costs about pretty much everybody on that show except for maybe Michelle. Everybody else, I'm just like, no, protect them at all costs. They are sweet and precious. Michelle. Yeah, I know. We'll get there. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, I think TK is one of my favorites, too. I love Judd. Love Judd. I do, too. I Yeah, Judd's great. Um, I really love Paul. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Paul's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And I love what I love about Paul is that when Owen finds out that he's trans, it's just like a blip on the radar. He's just like, okay, cool. And moving on, like back to the conversation. Um, yeah. When they're talking about skincare and everything, like it, Owen's just like, oh, like, okay, let me talk to you about this skincare thing. He just pays no mind. He's like, back to the conversation. Like, you know, it, it's, yeah. 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 It's fantastic. Um, yeah, TK, for sure. Judd, yes. Marjan, all of them. Just, they're all sweet and precious. And yes, they should be protected. Now, the Michelle thing. Michelle is played by Liv Tyler. And she's like, she's the one paramedic on the show. So here's the deal with Michelle, though. I feel like the story they gave her in season one, it's like on American Idol when they're just like, yeah, you had a really bad song choice. I feel like it was just a really bad choice of story for her in season one. Yeah, her story felt like it should have been a completely different show. Yeah, yeah. They, it kind of kept her away from everybody. But not even that. It's like, it's not even like, oh, she had like some medical storyline or whatever that like kept her away from everybody. It's like her sister's missing and she decides to go be all detective and try to find her. Like, what? <laughs> right. Right. And we're supposed to know that she's like best friends with Carlos, but we hardly ever see them together. Yeah, there was one gossip scene. Right. Right. And I just every time Carlos pretty much has to like arrest Michelle because Michelle always gets herself arrested and looking for her sister. Carlos doesn't even try to help her. He's just like, would you stop? Yeah. Yeah. 
I just really didn't like that storyline. And so therefore I really don't like Michelle. Yeah. They, I, I think they need to do a better job of integrating her. But she's also honestly one of those characters where if she slowly went away after the season, I don't think I would complain. Same. Same. So. Right. Right. So if we talk ships on this show, the number one show on this ship became canon at the very end. Oh, my goodness. Tarlos. I love them so much. I love them so much. So our friends, Tamar and Christine, they host the Shipping Room podcast. They put out a tweet at the end of every year where they basically ask for everybody's top five ships of the year. And I'm telling you, I started watching the show in January. And right when that happened, I was like, oh, I already know one of them. It's TK and Carlos. Hands down. Yeah, like, I feel like all I need to say about TK and Carlos is I literally saw a gif of them. Not even, like, making out or anything. Like, Carlos is basically wiping away, like, dried blood off of TK's lip or whatever after he got in a fight. And I saw that gif on Twitter, and I was like, I don't even know anything about this show or about them, but I am in. (laughs) Like, I am so in. I remember you texted me, and you were like, tell me about these two. And I was like, oh, gladly. (laughs) Yeah, that was three episodes in, and then I caught up, and then I, yeah never look back they are so perfect and the chemistry between ronin and rafa is unreal i i can't gush over these two enough yeah and i love too that they're probably i mean like we love tarlos and a lot of the internet loves tarlos but they're definitely tarlos's biggest captains you know fans oh yeah like i love it so much um, on Instagram, Ronan always calls Rafa Poppy, and I die a little bit every Ugh, time I see it. It's so cute. It's just, they're so cute. I can't take it. Like, yeah. Yeah. They just fit so many great scenes, despite not really becoming, I guess, like, official until the end, like Gina was saying. Um, they just had to have had so many great scenes um, together, and I just, I love it. I love it so much. I also loved how TK kept trying to push him away, but every time Carlos was like, whatever, dude, like, I'll be right here. And it's not really until TK is shot that he kind of realizes, like, oh, shit, like, I've got feelings for Carlos. Uh, the hospital scene, Gina. Uh. <laughs> so towards the end of the season, TK is shot. He is shot by a child who's basically, like, defending his grandparents, which is very similar to the way Ryan dies on Station 19. Side note. But Mm -hmm. so TK's in the hospital. He's he's basically in a coma. And um, Owen's sitting with him and everything. And then Carlos is just kind of lingering by the door. And Owen doesn't need to hear a word or anything. He just knows that there is a thing going on between them just by Carlos standing in the door. Like, that's feels moment number one, right? So Carlos is like, I can come back. Like, I don't have to stay. And Owen's like, no, like, I think that would be good. I think TK would like that if you stayed. And so basically, I mean, there is like a whole moment where Carlos is sitting there at TK's bedside and like he's just stroking his hair because like he doesn't really know what else to do. And basically, if you ever hear us slam the table and yell like the other arm, this is what we're referring to. I explain it, Brenna. <laughs> well, yeah, basically, like Gina said, he has like his hand through uh, TK's hair in one thing, and then he's got like his 
hand on uh, his other hand on TK's arm and just kind of like rubbing it with his thumb and it's just like amazing. Just, it's just so many feels. Oh yeah, just just kill me. What I feels. love too because Ronan did the Lord's work and tweeted the script page for that scene. Yeah, that's not even scripted. And it's just that was just all them, and I just. I love it so much. Like literally, you were talking about that scene, and I was getting giddy just thinking about how much I love that scene. Like it's just so good. Oh, I definitely have that gif on my phone because I am one hundred and ten percent Tarlos trash. Yeah, it's just it's amazing. I love that scene so much. Um, if you had to choose between Tarlos and Chenford, who would you choose? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? I was curious. Uh, I don't know. That's <laughs> I don't a total Sophie's choice. Yeah, I mean, I guess for now, I'd have to say Tarlos only because they're like, okay, I think I have two different choices for like two different reasons. I say Tarlos because they're actually like canon right now and they've actually had like relationship moments you know like cute coupley stuff you know makeouts and whatever the hospital scene and then like at the end when they're laying on the car like there's just been a lot of like cute coupley moments between them um but again like kind of my comment too is that like we don't know that much about carlos as a character yeah so like i'm kind of waiting for more of that and like how that then influences their relationship Mm -hmm. Because we've seen it from TK's side with his, you know, addiction and how that's already affected their relationship. But, like, from the Carlos side, I'll be curious to see how his backstory relates. But anyway, so I think on one hand, I, like, kind of lean towards them. But then on the other hand, there's Chenford, who (laughs) I think, at least as of now, has, like, a deeper relationship. Mm -hmm. Even though they're not canon. Mm -hmm. Um. So I don't know, but we don't also don't have the cute coupley moments. So right, except do have the moment where Tim saved her life. It's uh, a great d- moment, and like the worry in his face when like they come upon the scene, and like Armstrong is just looking at him like, "Damn, you're worried." Uh, just well, and then like when she gets out, and like the way he like cradles her, and like it's just it's it. Yeah, it's a that point. moment kills me because, like, at that point, he doesn't even care. He's like, he doesn't care that he's showing his vulnerable side at that point. He's just like, no, fuck everything. No. I'm gonna hug you and hold you because you're safe. Like, yeah. And so, like, I think in that way, like, Tenford maybe right now is a little deeper, despite them not being canon. So, like, I don't know. I don't really know. But that's a Sophie's choice. I don't think I can actually choose. It just came to me. I just blurted it. I'm sorry. Okay, but, like, don't make me choose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Certifiable Tarlos trash. Like, on this podcast, we love and respect and are complete trash for TK and Carlos. Well, and I could just literally go through all my favorite Tarlos moments. Like, I could just, like, name that. You know, like, I I just love them. There's there's the hug in the finale when, like, Carlos rounds the corner of the 126 and then, like, TK goes to him and they hug. There's the oh, hood. that's a great moment. The hood of the car. I just. I mean, and then there's two, like when they take Paul to the club or whatever, and the way TK like throws his arm around Carlos's shoulder as they're walking in. Like, I just, I, it's nothing, but I love that moment. Oh my God. I know. I know. They're perfect. 
and just amazing and they're perfect yeah yeah, just, yeah. <sighs> yeah. we could literally spend like an hour just gushing about tarlas but yeah really could though we really could there is another ship on lone star that is very good and that is judd and his wife grace these two are goals they really are. Can I throw out something that may blow your mind and that I looked up the other day after we recorded and it kind of blew my mind? What? Did you know the actress that plays Grace is only a year older than me? Get out, really? Yeah, she's only 26. Wow. And as soon as I like saw her name and like put two and two together, I was like, oh, that's who she was, is. But like, she just something about her, the way she looks, her like the way her character looks on Lone Star, I would have never guessed that that's who it was. Yeah, she definitely carries herself as older. Yeah, it was just, it blew my mind. I was like, whoa. Yeah, that is crazy. That's cool. So Judd comes off. I mean, Judd is the one who's basically what's left of the 126. Because the very first scene of the whole show, we basically see what happens to this firehouse. And they get called to this sort of like fertilizer plant. And the entire firehouse is killed in this gigantic explosion. And Judd is, like, the only survivor of the bunch. And so Judd comes off as, like, a man's man, right? He comes off as, like, your quintessential Texan, you know, just, like, very gruff, just a manly man, loves his country music, you know, loves God, all that stuff. And so you come in with certain expectations about Judd. Lo and behold, his wife is black. That is Grace. And these two balance each other in a very unexpected way. And it's really, yeah. it's really good, and it's very surprising and, like, refreshing to see. Well, and it's so healthy, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, they had their issues, but, like, they've been able to actually, like, come home at the end of the night and, like, talk them out. And it's just, like, very refreshing to see. Because I feel like we very seldom see couples talk out their issues unless they're apologizing. Big time. And, like, very rarely do we see... Not necessarily that Grace and Judd apologize, but they'll come home and be like, okay, like, this is the issue that we just had today. Like, let's talk it out, which I just love. Same, same. The episode where Judd was basically against Grace going to church, I thought was really good. Yeah, there's been some, and like, their issues typically are like, not just like, oh man, like, a girl caught your eye, blah, blah, like, it's never like, it's actually like deep emotional stuff. Yeah. Very, very deep. Very deep. I would be real curious to see a Judd Begins episode. I wonder if they're going to do those on Lone Star. I don't know. That'd be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to see the beginning of Judd and Grace's relationship. Like, if that's, I would love for that Begins episode. And, like, did anyone hesitate because of the interracial aspect mm-hmm. and, like, it being, the being in Texas? Like, I think that would be an amazing episode. Yeah, I want to know how they met. I'm super curious about that. I want their, like, relationship backstory. And, like, yeah, I want yeah. it. <laughs> big time. Big time, big time. Uh, but, yeah, I do really love them. I also really love – it's not canon, and I don't even know if she'll ever come back. I feel like they will – she will maybe at some point. I loved the idea of Paul and Josie. Like, loved it so much. Yeah. And I was really sad that Josie had the reaction that she did. Um, I applaud for – I applaud them for telling that story and the way, you know, that they handled it. Because I feel like that reaction, as much as I don't like that Josie had the reaction, I think Josie's reaction is super real. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
I would hope that if she ever came to a place where she felt okay with it, um, that like they could be together because I thought they were great. I did. I really yeah, I liked Josie that. a lot. You just had good chemistry, and I just I really liked that. But I really do applaud nine one one Lone Star for telling that story. Um, I just you know I think it's super important right now, and I just I think it's really it was really great episode. Yeah, Lone Star is just fantastically done. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, some people on, on in the fandom are shipping Owen and Michelle. I can't say that I agree. Um, nope, but that's also because Michelle. I, I did like Owen and the professor from this past season. I liked her. Yeah, she's cute. I like her. Yeah. Why not? Keep her around. Yeah, keep her around. Keep her around. So any other notes about Lone Star? I feel like we're missing stuff. Oh, um, when they, I, I think they've said they're going to try to do some crossover. I don't know crossovers this year. I don't know how that'll actually happen and whatever. But like, do you have thoughts on how they should cross over? I don't care how they do it. I just want them to do it. Because this is definitely something that we imagine quite a bit with pretty much all of these shows. Um, especially The Rookie and 911, since they're both set in Los Angeles. I yeah, I, I haven't really thought about how I want it done. I just I just want to see these two these 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 two universes like together. Wait, Tina, can we establish then I guess technically nine one one and the rookie are not in the same universe, but if they both take place in LA and nine one one and nine one one Lone Star take place in the same universe, can we that mean we get nine one one Lone Star and the rookie? Oh my goodness, yes. Can we assume they all exist in the same universe? Uh, I have a great theory that I've literally just came up with. (laughs) Eddie's from Texas. What it, like, why is that not a thing? Like, I'm sure he knew, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that has to be, like, we can make that theory somewhere work. Oh, yeah. No, hands down. Hands down. Is he from Houston? He's not from Austin, right? No, I actually think he's from, he's, he's either from San Antonio or he's from El Paso. El Paso, I think that sounds more okay. I think that's a, But, like, he's got to know someone in Austin, right? So we got to just assume that, like, maybe what if one of Eddie's friends is somebody that died in the 126? Like, I just, you know, like, I'm making this happen. That's your link right there. That's what's going to get them to cross over. There are some subtle references that Lone Star makes to 911 that's pretty funny. Um, and it was especially funny because I, I would catch this. And this is, again, Bryna watched Lone Star before she watched regular 911. And so... There was a moment where Judd mentioned something that had happened to Chim as like just an aside. He was like, yeah, some firefighter in L.A. like rebar stuck through his head. And I was like, oh, my God, that's genius. And I was like texting Brian and I'm like, get this, get this. And she's like, OK. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. But yeah, that, Eddie's going to be our link. That's that's got to be what gets these two together. But also, like, I don't want this to be like Station 19 in Grays where it's just Ben that comes over. I want everybody. I want one big party between the 118 and the 126. It's just unfortunate that they're not in the same city. Like, obviously, the one Chicago ones work because they're all in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, plausible that they're all actually friends and, you know, they can hang out and whatever. Um, and theoretically, that's why Grey's and Station 19 should work. Um, but, like, with one being in L.A. and one being in Austin, I feel like it's going to be hard. Like, I feel like it's going to have to be, like, one or two characters. I think both houses should go to some sort of like firefighting convention because that is a thing. Firefighting conventions. Um, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They should go there and like that's how they meet. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Carlos would have such a crush on Athena. And by crush, I mean he would be like, teach me your ways. Yeah. He would also have a actual crush on Eddie, calling it now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't blame him. Cannot blame him. No, me either. Me either. But, like, Buck and Eddie totally would bro out with Tihei and Carlos. Yeah, it'd be so much fun. It would be fun. It would be fun. And Paul and Mateo. Oh, God, it would just be, like, a big party. Yeah, but Mateo, too, on the other hand, would be the one that looks up to, like, Buck and Eddie and everyone over there. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my God. And Bobby and Owen would be just, like, such good friends. Yeah. Well, and Marjan um, joining, like, Hen and Athena oh. and, like, that tribe of powerful women is, like, amazing. Oh, my God. I need that in my life. I need to, I need a Marjan, Athena, and Hen zine. Yes, so bad. I never knew I needed that until right now. Yeah, that would be amazing. It would be so amazing. It would be so amazing. So, yeah, I, I at this point, I don't care how they do it. I just want them to do it. I'm just ready. I'm like, yes, I need to see these characters in the same room. Yeah, yeah. me too. So, oh, God, any anything else on Lone Star? No, but... Lone Star's good, man. It's so Lone Star's really good. It's so good. It's so good. So we also got a lot of responses from you guys about the first responder shows that you guys watch because the the majority of responses was these four shows like Nine One One, Lone Star, The Rookie, Station Nineteen. But you guys also gave us some other really good ones. So um, Allison G said, you know, definitely Nine One One, definitely The Rookie. But she also said it was fun to go back and watch Taylor Kinney as a probie in Trauma. So Trauma was a really short-lived, like, one-season drama on NBC, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Taylor Kinney played a cop. So that would have been. I feel like, Allison, you need to tell us where you watched this. Because this would be a really fun episode to go back and do during hiatus. Like, pick an episode of Trauma and, like recap it and talk about it yeah because i think at this point we're gonna be on hiatus for a while yeah me too yeah yeah so um the next one up is from one chicago girl and one chicago girl said a really good first responder show is third watch it premiered in 1999 and ran for six seasons not sure if it's on any streaming service but it was just like fire and pd rolled into one i have sung the praises of third watch many a times on this podcast what a show um I think this is the show that really made me like fall in love with television. But yeah, 1999, I was 12, 12. Um, Brino, we're not even going to talk about how old Brino was. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, heads up, Brino was four. Um, anyway, so and so like little 12 year old me would watch the show and just be like totally enamored. And so a lot of people from the cast of this show have shown up on One Chicago in various forms. But the storytelling was just unreal and ju it just, what a show. What a show. What a show. Um, it is not on any streaming service. I have looked many a times. And it is not on Peacock yet, but that's because, like, nothing is on Peacock right now. <sighs> but, um, yeah, Michael Beach is on this show. He plays a paramedic named Doc. So Michael Beach, Darius Walker on PD, he is on that show. It's incredible. Um, Brandon, tell us what Carlin said. Yeah. 
So, Carlin said that she really misses Code Black. It only lasted three seasons on CBS, but it should have lasted longer. Such a great medical drama, and the cast is amazing. Fun fact, Sullivan from Station 19 was also a doctor on Code Black. Yep. Yeah, that um, was CBS. Yep. She also said, also, Rookie Blue is the best cop show ever, in my opinion. To be honest, it's so good, and she loves rewatching it. Which I've heard many great things about Rookie Blue. I've just not gotten around to it yet. I know that I know that I will watch the whole thing and I know that I will become instantly obsessed. Yeah, I just Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, take us through Elise as well. Yeah. So Elise said she loves Station 19, but SWAT is one of my favorites. And we actually heard a lot of people say they really like SWAT. Um she said, it's a, well, it's a procedural that takes place in LAPD. It focuses on the SWAT team, hence the title of the show, of course. And that follows Sergeant Daniel and his team throughout different cases. Yeah, got a lot of responses on SWAT. I was surprised about that. Yeah, me too. I, like, I know people watch the CBS shows, obviously, but like <laughs> I don't ever watch CBS shows. And so like I was surprised to just know that like how many people love it. Yeah. Yeah, the CBS shows have a following, which is, you know, surprising. I've also heard a lot of good stuff about SEAL Team. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard, I have, too. Yeah. Hmm. I just love David Boreana, so, I mean, yeah, that's that's an easy sell for me. I just got to find somewhere to binge the show. Uh, I wonder if it's on CBS All Access. Ooh, that's a good question. Which, I like, I feel like it would be because it's a CBS show. Yeah. But I don't know. I need to do some research. Um, and by do some research, we're just going to text our friend Christine because she has it. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Christine, can we borrow your password? Okay, Christine. <laughs> yeah. So last up, we got one from W.A. Grobenite, and she said, I'm going to date myself here, but NYPD Blue was a great show. And I'm super curious to see what they do with the reboot. Now, I thought the reboot got canceled or not picked up or is like not going forward yeah once we when we were recording the first time we figured out that the reboot it looks like was not is not happening anymore um but yeah so but i've heard good things about nypd blue too yeah um the cast is you know crazy jimmy smith is of course in it uh ricky schroeder pops up at one point ricky schroeder reminds me a lot of roman um is that mark paul gossler on that show too at one point no, I feel like he was on a different show. Uh, let's see. Mark Paul Gossler. Let's see. Now I'm curious because I know he was on Franklin and Bash, but was he on NYPD Blue? Oh, Franklin and Bash was so good. Oh, yeah, he was on NYPD Blue. You were right. Ooh, Gina's memory for the win. Uh, God, Franklin and Bash was so good. That's not a first responder show at all, but <laughs> that show was amazing. Uh yeah, I mean, the only other first responder show that I can think of is is Flashpoint, my Canadian cop show that I love to death and will always love, um, that I will one day get Brandon to watch. But, yeah. One day. One day. One day. It's a, it's a, it's a good genre, so. Um, otherwise, yeah, any other first responder shows that you watch or have watched, Brenna? Well, I mean, like, the night shift is the reason we became friends. Yes. So, like love the night shift we did a whole episode on the night shift um 
Not necessarily. I mean, like, medical shows. I mean, like, I watch... I have a love-hate relationship with Grey's. Um, yeah. I think that's it. So, yeah, that is about all we've got. So, as usual, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. Uh, email us anytime about anything. Seriously, you guys. If you've looked outside lately, it's a really scary world. I mean, we're, you know, we're all human beings trying to get through this together. You can email us about anything. It does not have to be television related. Um, you know, this is how we stick together in this time. So, uh, meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. If you like the show, which we really hope you do, because uh, you've made it all the way to the end of this like super-sized episode. We rarely ever hit two hours. Uh, leave us a review and a rating on iTunes, please, if you would not mind. That would be so great, and we would be so grateful because it does help new listeners find the show. Um, I usually at this point say, like, hey, now that Peacock's here, we have a ton of new listeners. We don't because Peacock has, like, five things on it. Whatever. I know. I know. I'm not bitter. Totally better. <laughs> anyway, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. So lucky you guys, you get to hear from us twice this week. Yay. So Yay. we are going to make ourselves cry this week because we're bored. And we are going to talk about the episode of Chicago Fire when Anna dies. Episode 520. Because crying is fun. Yeah. 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 We've never really talked about, I mean, like, we've obviously talked about Anna, but, like, we've never done an Anna episode, and we just want to make ourselves cry this week. Sounds fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, send us all your feels about that, because, yeah. Just, yeah. Anyway, in the meantime, guys, wear a mask, wash your hands, check on your friends, just social distance, please. Um, Just... Just, well, we'll get through this time. It'll happen. But yeah, so everybody have a good week and we will see you on Friday. Bye.